everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. This is the Macaw Podcast Universe. And it exists for what reason, Jordan? Um, to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. Yes. And we <laughs> are headed back to something we covered two years ago. Well, I guess a year and a half ago. Yeah. Wes Craven's Scream. A new entry has come out, and that means we have to go and see it opening weekend. And we, but, but we couldn't just do it by ourselves. No. No. No, no, no. That would be too easy. We needed some help. We needed to bring a bring um a stranger or a friend into the mix that who knows what he could do to us. Yeah. Can I'm he trying be to trusted? Th- I'm trying to theme it like scream, right? Yeah, yeah. It makes it sound like we have a creep on here, but he's not a creep. <laughs> His I name... was just gonna drop a ghost face impression. So it was it was Dang right it. there. Just a, like a like a what's your favorite movie podcast (laughs) is it the one with arthur from the tick or the white people from the ringer (laughs) and not the johnny knoxville movie i mean it's it's just ghostface travels as we learned in this installment i interrupted my own introduction (laughs) seating the floor back Yes, you you may know him from his wonderful podcast, The Infinity Podcast. You may know him as a voice in Red Dead Redemption 2. You may know him from, I'm going to mess up the title because I always do, This Much Is True. If I know, I know this, know much, this is much is true. true. There you go. You got it. The HBO show with Mark Ruffalo. It's Scott Thomas. <laughs> we got him. Guys, thank you so <laughs> You got me. You caught me like the mystery gang does the ghost or the core four do ghost face. Core four. <laughs> yeah. Every single scream installment. I'm so thrilled to be here. Don't feel bad about messing the show title up. In my household, we call it the sad twin show because yeah. we watched it. I don't I don't know if you guys watched it. And please, I, I we, haven't we have seen been, it. We've been meaning to watch it since it came out. It, I tell everybody this. It's so Okay. Not because the show isn't great. Oh, okay. I think I think the show is great. I, I I genuinely do. Derek's amazing. Mark's amazing. All that shit. It's all true. It's also that show came out in May 2020, and yeah. it was one of the things that was keeping me going when we were in lockdown. I yeah. had just moved in um, with my partner, and we're trying to survive like everybody else and get through. And I kept thinking in the back of my mind, well, you know, in in May, I'm going to see myself on HBO, and if I could just if I can get to that moment, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to feel and be better. And she was so supportive. You know, we we bought snacks, by which I mean we ordered them and picked them up from six feet away. (laughs) Uh, We hadn't run out of alcohol yet, and we throw the show on. And my scene's pretty funny, as it's clear to listeners who have just met me. I riff. I riff a lot. (laughs) And my scene was all riffing. But up until that scene, it's like a searing indictment of the mental health system in america and how it disenfranchises people and right after my scene spoilers a baby dies just a a baby fucking dies and again this is lockdown 2020 and my partner's (laughs) like you're not in it's just like the silence and, and like the most loving so you're not in any more of the episode, right? It's <laughs> like, no. <laughs> or the show, or the show. We can stop. And it's it, it came out at a time where I think it was a tough hang. I think it's still a tough hang. Yeah. If you're back watching tough hang stuff again, like, fuck yeah. Go watch I Know This Much Is True. And if you need something with more shotguns and mushrooms, Last of Us is still there. It's just right. It's it's yeah. it's I think it's a it's a tougher hang than The Last of Us, which is occasionally. 
a very tough hang. <laughs> wow. Well, we've we've been spending our time watching History of the World Part Two. So if that goes to That's show what you I'm where talking we're about. at, <laughs> we we went and saw Scream Six, and we're watching History of the World Part Two. Things so have, things have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. L- listen, Scream Scream Six is a tougher hang than I was anticipating. Not in terms of quality, but in terms of yeah. like, oh, existential questions. Hi. You have a seat at the table this time around. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's really, it's you got to find balance in 2023, and you never know how you're going to do it. And Nick Kroll, Seth MacFarlane, and Mel Brooks is, that's not gonna that's not gonna send you into the void. You know what I mean? That's no, the one no, way it to certainly it has it. Yeah. Um, yes. So anyone listening, uh, if you were wondering, History of the World Part Two is quite funny. We've been plowing through it, and if you're not already getting a million ads yeah. on anything you're and consuming, pretty, if if you're a CBB fan or anything like yeah. that, every person you see, you're gonna be like, <gasps> it's more exciting than like Avengers Endgame or something. You're like, <laughs> they got Mary Holland, they got Nick, Kroll. <laughs> they got this person. <laughs> Someone's got to do like they got to intercut like Wong into the credits where he's like, "You wanted more," and <laughs> yeah, then right. yeah. another that would be great. ten people <laughs> coming out. Quinta Brunson, come on down. You know, it's unbelievable cast he got together. But of course he did. He's Mel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's also, I mean, not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but it's also a great way to shut up anyone who says you can't make that type of slapstick stuff anymore. Because they're doing it in a way that's not gross and offensive, but it's really good and really funny. And it's like, yeah, you can have slapstick humor. So that argument, done. Mm-hmm. It's over. Mel Brooks came back, and it's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it has its own rhythm, right? It has a yeah. TV yeah. rhythm. It doesn't It doesn't feel like a filmmaker struggling to pick up the rhythm of a show that should be on Hulu. It's a show that feels yeah. like it should be on Hulu, and that's a compliment you can pay it. Which, for Mel Brooks to pull off in his what? Is he in his 90s, his late 80s? It can't be, He's gotta be. not he, yeah. one of those. I mean, like, yeah. L- like, see. I just feel like, <laughs> are you guys college basketball fans? I know that's a very random thing to ask. No. no. Oh, my gosh. The, the, no. He, <laughs> He's 96. Whoa. Great. The college <laughs> basketball thing I was going to say actually makes more sense. There's this team named Loyola <laughs> Chicago. And their unofficial mascot is a woman named St. Mary. It's a real woman. And she's like 104 now. And she was in the tournament. She's still alive. And she was at the latest tournament watching the game or maybe asleep. I don't know. My cat sleeps with its (laughs) eyes open. I don't put it past Sister Mary. (laughs) 104. But I was thinking, watching History of the World, I'm like, he's... He's Sister Mary age. Like, he's yeah. not, he's eight oh, years yeah. off, but that's this guy basically pulling off a new filmmaking form, right? Yeah. Admittedly with yeah. old material, but that's that's unbelievable. That, yeah. That's a flex on a whole nother level. Yeah. <laughs> so we, so we got our history of the world out there. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, talk about this for a segue. Speaking of history, tell us about your history with Scream. Nice. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's so weird, but so on brand that the first place I go back to is the soundtracks of all things. I've loved these movies since moment one, but I think what's fascinating about this franchise, both emotionally for me and just generally, is there such time capsules 
They are yeah. such yep. time capsules of the trends that are going on in horror. They're trends of the generations, right? You're casting iconic young people. And now mm-hmm. in this new requel era, bringing them back and having them reckon with the sins or joys of their youth, however you want to think about it. I grew up with the Scream and Scream 3 album specifically. Don't know what happened with Scream 2. I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> I will never forget that Creed executive produced and released the Scream 3 album all on their own. It is a wind-up record showcase. And that also <laughs> speaks volumes about Scream 3. I think we can... The yeah. correlation between Creed and Scream 3 is just a one of one. I... I I love these movies. I The original Scream in particular for me is something of an artistic touchstone. I think I couldn't tell you where it fell in my slasher watching. I, I feel in my memory like I almost got all the good ones at once. Like it was, mm-hmm. I caught Halloween pretty early and I caught Scream right after it got out of theaters because it came out in 96 and I was 11 and so I, mm-hmm. I found my way to it the way a lot of kids do uh, yeah. blockbuster video, yeah. the right teller, an unobservant <laughs> parent. But yep. it, 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 that meant it was really at a formative age for me. And I think, I don't know about your guys' experience. And I'll be very curious to hear it too. It's such a 90s film and I was such a 90s kid that that burgeoning horror fan in me hitting something that so channeled a very specific energy of a time was like having my brain expanded. And I even yeah. know that as a performer, um, I have evolved, if it's not, again, clear from five minutes of me talking to him, like I'm a fairly hyperbolic person, very high energy. And I literally look at what Matthew Lillard did in that movie as an acting touchstone for like, Half the oh, yeah. that I've given Very him Patrick cool. Willem shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. I saw that and was like, oh, I want to do that. That, yeah. whoa, wow. That looks like fucking fun. And, yeah. And, and so it really, it's somewhere in the DNA. And I yeah. always find myself returning to these movies partially for that reason. I was ecstatic to see them get picked back up and very mm-hmm. nervous until yep. Radio Silence were announced as being the team that was going to helm this. And, now I have this relationship to them that feels very pandemic-centric. Uh, this was not, by any stretch of the imagination, the first movie. Scream was not the first movie that I saw with an audience coming out of pandemic. But I think it is the one that I have the most visceral memory of seeing with a large audience. Even though, yeah. to be clear, like... Yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah, it... Like, it came out in 2022. Yeah, it was top of 2022. So Spider-Man No Way Home was definitely a larger audience. But I saw the scream at the Nighthawk in Brooklyn, which is an Alamo Drafthouse style movie Mm -hmm. theater. So food. It was just a packed room of film fans. And the euphoria that I felt and that we felt, I had the moment of going, oh, we're back. I haven't felt this in a long time. So even again, now here in my adulthood, it just feels like this franchise is is layering experiences into my DNA that I'm going to keep building on and building on. Who knows for how long? But right. I think right. that's one of the questions this movie asks, right? Like, yeah. what happens if this just keeps going? And yeah. so that, in a very large nutshell, is, is my relationship and experience with these. Uh, it's a pretty Love full it. one. 
Love it. Yeah, I, I love the uh, the connection with Matthew Lillard. That that is such a cool like origin story. Yeah, of, of I love performances. That. He, I'm I'm living so large because even though I didn't want or need Brendan Fraser to win for the whale, the <laughs> Fraser Renaissance uh, <laughs> yeah. that's happening yeah. right now, injected into my veins, Matt Lillard on his low key tear for the last five years. Right. Just my my sweet acting totems of youth are are blossoming yeah that sounds like a tennessee william play like sweet acting <laughs> totems of youth it's he had to have written that shit he must have it sounds like <laughs> it, yeah well i i know uh yeah to give you the the quick recap because we've covered it in our in our older episodes but yeah and you know a little little recap for the listener too because it's been a little while uh for me horror's been a last five to seven years experience for me used to be hoity-toity about it and you know only the shining's good kind of a person uh then i grew up tara (laughs) (laughs) and then i believe you you were like man the scream movies are so good and we watched it the first one but it was before i'd really seen many slashers Mm -hmm. and i was like oh this is not a good horror movie this is like a good movie now again just for you scott and the listener knows I have I'm I'm like a horror hound now. I I love it. I'm yeah. you know, we were we were there for Megan. We will be there for Megan 2.0, 3.0. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> let's go. Yeah. We love a good horror and a good horror concept. Um, Harry and Megan, it's time. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> That's um, my royal wedding. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so agree. So I, I feel like, especially in the last few years, I think you and I both, even though you've always been a horror fan, you and I both have been filling in a lot of our slasher gaps. Yeah. I mean, we watched Chucky for the first time like three weeks ago. Yeah. So, yes. you know, we're, we're filling I, in a lot I of those gaps. I grew up watching Scream. Well, grow yeah. up meaning like early high school, got into Scream, and then um, I think it's Scream. People who've listened to our other episodes will probably remember this better than me. I think it was Scream. Watching... All of the screen movies for a summer because we rented all the movies from Blockbuster because my sister and I discovered how wonderful they were. Yeah. And I feel like it was the second movie um, where it got a little too freaky for us. We're like, oh, look. we like had just gotten a puppy. We were like, oh, let's take the puppy outside for a minute and like forget to pause the movie. Like we got really freaked out, but we loved it. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> and I love, I love your take on Matthew Lillard. For, for me, Matthew Lillard is sh- shaggy. He will always be shaggy. Yeah. Um, Viable. But, but I feel <laughs> just the same way. Anytime I see a Scooby-Doo crew, the, a, a mis- you know, the mystery crew out doing something else, I get so genuinely happy for those actors. Cause it's yeah. just like, I want to see you in everything for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, it, it, and now yeah. you get to do that with James Gunn too. You were an early yeah. gun yeah. supporter, yeah. right? Love right? it. Part love the, it all. Part, I just love it. Even even the do's. You do the do's. <laughs> yeah, we, we do the do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, and then when last year, when the new Scream came out, it was like, you know, it's always scary when, when people are like, hey, we're going to go back to the, a franchise. And you're like, Wes Craven's not around, you know. And Scream 2022 is my second favorite of the Scream movies. Rocked our world. I yeah. freaking, like the whole movie, it was kind of that feeling where I was like, are they pulling this like kind of like tapping you kind of thing where I'm yeah. like, is this as good as like leaving the theater being like, I'm not crazy for thinking that's almost as good as the first movie. Yeah. Right. So 
I, I'm on the same page. I, I just want to <laughs> announce I'm on the same yeah, page. Yeah. I rewatched it in anticipation of Scream 6, and I couldn't believe how much it slaps. Like, yeah. it is, it, it is, it somehow does what J.J. Abrams was trying to do with The Force Awakens so much better. Mm. Like, because, yeah. because yeah. It, is, it, it is deliberately indebted to the original movie in a way that mm-hmm. it can call out, not sort of shove a rug over, which I think is yeah. very useful in terms of it being able to play with those conventions. But it really recaptures the magic in a way that is genuinely surprising. And that as you're watching it, you're like, I don't know where we're headed, even yeah. though the movie has told me exactly where we're headed. Right. Like, it's, yeah. it's, right. it's, it's given me the keys to this castle and I'm still getting lost in it. Like, what the fuck? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we get ready and we're going on Thursday preview night. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. got we got our tickets. We're excited. We're sitting there for some reason. Now, now 10% of our experience is ruined because I think they put the theater on furnace mode. And uh, yeah. toward the end, I literally had to go out I and talk sweating. to someone because I was sweating. There were people fanning themselves yeah. during the showing. <laughs> it was we had so people fanning bad. themselves. Like, what, was it a Regal 4DX? So they were giving you like the true New York experience. <laughs> they were or really something? trying to yeah, get the heart rate up, get us all sweating, really freaked out. No, it was like, it was enough. None of the that subways have like, AC, neither will you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're on the fucking one train now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But we were, it was, I, I remember you, you tapped me like halfway through the movie and you're like, I'm not crazy for thinking it is so hot in here. And I'm like, no, I, I'm I'm like a second away from taking my shirt off is yeah. how hot it was. And I think I've said this on the podcast, maybe with our, when, because we recently did Ant-Man. Yeah. Since November, our freaking theater has been pumping up the heat. <laughs> we, we saw Glass Onion and I was fighting sleep. It was like a warm cocoon in there. And, but this time and we're it talking was, about glass onion that, yeah that is a very and showy and exciting movie not to fall asleep i'm i'm now wondering if this is some sort of like psyop on the projectionist part like or whoever's <laughs> running the heat or cold like yeah. does he pump it up for movies that he doesn't like and then he leaves it <laughs> a nice temperature for the movie see like he's got it just a nice balmy 60 for babylon he wants more right, people right. in the yeah. three-hour Damien Chazelle movie. He can't believe we're on a sixth scream. And there might be a conspiracy <laughs> like that. Because I, I feel like when you went out and uh, told someone, I think their response was, I'll turn the heat off. And I think you you didn't say this, but you were thinking like, no, you need to turn the air conditioning on. Yeah, I'm Don't like, just I know it's winter, off. but but like... Like, if you turn it off, we're not going to feel those effects for, like, an hour, hour and a half. And it's, like, the third act of the movie. The heat's already risen, my guy. It has to go somewhere. But now I know. It's, like, every time you go to the theaters, you just learn something else that you you can't handle anymore. So now I know if it's hot during the previews, I'm going out and I'm complaining. Do it early. Telling them to blast. This is the AMC Nicole Kidman sequel I want. I want it to be the exact same speech, but it's too hot in the theater. And she just starts sweating buckets. Maybe she passes out. Maybe her face melts a la Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, that last, like, because here they are. It's just all dripping off her. She's just melting. She's just melting. AMC. But, yeah, so we watched it. And I... I got to say, I'm a little mixed on this movie. But, my friend, uh, here's my hope. When we covered Scream 4, 
Yep. It was the second time I'd seen it, and I was like, man, I think I kind of like it, kind of don't. By the end of our episode, we had two great guests on, and I realized that it was the second best Scream movie after their argument. And I am hoping, Scott, I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but I got a vibe from what you're throwing down. I'm hoping by the end I go, oh, this is not the second to the least of the movies. This is like the third best or so. I think that is where I'm at with it. And I have to tell you, I I was nervous too because I we will get into this. I also rewatched Ready or Not right before I got on here because I had this this feeling like burgeoning in my chest that Scream 6 is Radio Silence's most difficult movie. Not necessarily yeah, okay. their best or worst, but the movie that they are having the most difficulty making, the movie that is most difficult for their audience, and mm-hmm. their movies are not difficult. Like, we are four feature films and several shorts into the Radio Silence experience, and they make, I think, the closest thing to comfort horror movies that I've ever experienced as a viewer, which is not to say they aren't really hard to get through at times. They're very good at Mm -hmm. little moments that are excruciating, but they are usually cathartic in a way that really brings joy. At, at, yeah. at, 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 to a degree that I think Scream 6 doesn't by design. It's after something mm. a little different than their other films. And I now can't wait to watch it again slash talk about it with you guys because I got so thrown by that experience. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, I don't think this is a failing on the movie's part. I think this is the movie doing exactly what it wants to do. The question is, how do I feel about that? And and how well I feel about it as I talk about it. But I think they did what they wanted to. It's, I can't stop thinking about it, honestly. I've had had this in college basketball on the brain. St. Mary is just running. I'm like, how how does she do it? How does she do it? <laughs> if that, it, it, the next scream should take place at the NCAA tournament. Sister hey, Mary there we go. gets a cool. phone call. Is this Sister Mary? And she just falls asleep. Cut to credits. <laughs> Movies are 90 minutes or three hours. This is the type five. I'm super into it. <laughs> super into um, it. So, what about you, Jordan? Set yeah. the table for you. Uh, I. Mind you, it was 80 degrees in the theater. So I do think you you do have, there's a lot you're probably going to say that will be like, oh yeah, I was uh, blinking away sweat out of my eyes right there. When that part happened, (laughs) I borderline didn't like this movie. And I was pretty like, I, after we saw the movie, we went home. I think I I was like done for the night. I was a little bummed about it. I was like, just let me read War and Peace and go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) She is being literal fans. Um, She's currently reading War and Peace. So. Yeah, so I I was like I need a hard change of pace. So that that's where I'm at. I I in terms of like the movie looks great, people were great in it. Yeah. It's just what they were going for me. It felt like uh, they didn't know what they like they not that they didn't know that they had their thesis, they mm-hmm. had their thing, but I just am not. I just don't see that they accomplished it. Yeah. The, Here's my question. My question right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Take us there. <laughs> is is this an okay scream movie that is also a really good movie? Because for my money, I don't know that the scream stuff is super successful. And yeah. I don't know if the scream stuff is what they wanted to be successful. Like I 
this is a yeah. weird thing to say, but I kept seeing those advanced reviews that drop, which you got to take with like a, a an infinity stone sized grain of salt. You just <laughs> anytime you see yeah. those first reviews drop from like you know that crop of critics, you're like it's going to have four exclamation points and the yeah. easiest possible talking point, and it's probably not going to make sense. And mm-hmm. the one I kept seeing come up was this is a love letter to the franchise. And yeah. I got out of Scream 6, I was like, in the words of Natasha Leone on Poker Face, I call bullshit. Absolutely <laughs> not. I think this movie is like... Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. And and I think that makes it kind of disappointing as a Scream movie. Because, mm-hmm. especially because Scream 5 is so obviously in love with the Scream movies. Yes. It, yeah. It adores them. Yes. And this movie, very much by design... Don't give a fuck about movies. It's mm-hmm. it's like right there in the opening sequence, right? There's which I which is really actually the scene that I cannot stop thinking about from the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That that is that's some shit. Like mm-hmm. we we start with the obligatory famous celebrity getting killed off. It's yeah. radio silent stalwart Samara Weaving. And so effectively they kill one of their own darlings, right? They mm-hmm. kill someone yeah. else from their filmography. We reveal the killer to be another celebrity, and we're like, mm-hmm. "Oh shit, are we gonna do a Ghostface POV? Is that why this one's different? Yeah, are we, are yeah. we just getting rid of the mystery from moment one?" And I was kind of like strapped in for that. We get yeah. to the apartment, yeah. we get the Ghostface call again. I'm like, "Oh, it's been a fake out," but then it's that moment where he's describing the killing to Ghostface as a, I think it's a Giallo slasher plays in the background. One where a woman is getting brutalized yes. right yeah yeah and he talks about how she just became meat and we see this guy who's inundated from watching horror movies as we the audience are in our sixth scream movie yeah mm-hmm. and he's fucking numb he's an mm-hmm. extension of richie the guy who cared about movies and they've just kept going and he is he is the worst possible ghost face we could get yeah, and then we off his ass with a "Who gives a fuck about movies?" And I think like <laughs> there's the push and pull yeah. between this movie. Oh, like you're already less... making some convincing arguments. Oh, oh, <laughs> almost nobody in this movie likes the stab movies. It's yeah. just yeah. Mindy. It's just Mindy, right? It's yeah. Mindy and maybe Kirby, but but that again, that scene didn't really work for me because I'm like the heart of this movie. Don't give a shit about yeah. these movies. They're like like I feel like it's like Radio Silence kind of going like. If we're going to keep making these, if these are going to keep coming out, why the fuck do we do it? Like, what is really yeah. the point of continuing to do this? And I don't think, I think the movie answers it in the last five minutes. Right. The same way the last five minutes of Ready or Not completely retcons what came before. I think Ready or Not does it more successfully, but like, I, I'd be very curious. I'm I'm talking so much. I'm no, so okay. curious I, about your that, guys' well, that answers made me too. Think, I feel like they kind of reinforce that that whole thing at the end of the is Mindy the sister who is the film yes. host? is she our Randy yes. yeah so she's our Randy like <laughs> more more towards the end of the movie like she keeps saying that she's wrong yep like like over yeah. and over and over again so I think that kind of reinforces what you're saying where it's like they're saying like no one cares about movies and and this and, and even, even she says I hate this wrong. fucking franchise yeah like yeah. like like the, this film has franchise fatigue and it tries to find its way out of it yeah. by basically going yeah, that's like interesting th- th- which is which is why I think 
like obviously we're diving into to spoilers here, but it's the part I struggle with most and the thing I love the most, which is that our sweet boy Chad lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That he lives. Yeah. Because this movie loves its characters. And yeah. it's like, if we're going to keep doing IP and we're going to keep doing it, it's going to be the Fast and the Furious. The Fast and the Furious and Scream are <laughs> handshaking at the end of this movie. They don't have friends. They have family. Like, that's kind of, <laughs> yeah. that's, yeah. that's it now. They're, they're like, every other Scream movie has taken its cast and it's been like, who's going to make it? Right. And it's killed off more and more each time. And Sydney, Gale... Dewey, they were kind of a found family, but not really, right? Like, there wasn't a sense of them going on together. They were always, at disparate ends, pulled back into Woodsboro. And this movie starts with the core four having gone, we're going to go into New York together and continuing on together. And that's just an entirely different ethos from what the Scream movies have technically been. Family's been an albatross that hangs over the neck of the franchise that is the reason it keeps having installments yeah. pop up. And this time it feels like a choice. And that, and in yeah. that way, it's, it's, it's a very different movie. It's just really not a classic Scream movie. There's like a little bit of Last Jedi going on, but it also doesn't actually want to burn everything because it refuses to not be a scream movie right and it's and there i think it struggles because i'm sort of like i yeah. don't know that it wants to do that i don't know that it actually yeah. wants to be a scream movie yeah yeah well i i think you know half of the fun of the scream movies for me and, and no surprise i we host a movie podcast is the movie analogs that they go through yeah and you know one of my uh, yeah. scream three is my least favorite and and yep. one of the big reasons is because the creed one yeah those that movie like the the trilogy takes that it has are like not really accurate to trilogies that that's like Mm -hmm. one of my big qualms with that movie um which seems like such a nerdy snobbery thing to say the movies are nerdy but they are yes they are yeah and so this movie like when she started explaining the rules i was kind of like huh I, I this brings no movies to mind the rules you're mentioning except for other scream movies where yeah everyone can get killed and it yeah it, I, I feel like movie wise there was no actual like commentary on series in this movie mm-hmm. maybe there's a commentary about scream yeah but i i don't and i also don't feel like we have enough examples of movies that have sequels to the legacy sequel because all i think of is the last jedi basically and it's like this is not the last jedi you know what i mean and and if anything they kind of painted themselves into a corner in a good way by dealing with the last jedi in the last movie right like uh, effectively stab eight was the last jedi of that in film franchise and so you can't really go make scream six the last jedi of this one because effectively you've already walked over that ground and I yeah. completely agree with you. And I hadn't thought about how clear that is. There are no real rules being given because Mindy's argument is, well, we're just in IP land now. So we just mm-hmm. find yeah. reasons to keep this going as opposed to having a very specific thing to tread on and, and build something off of. We don't really have that now. We are to keep the fast and furious analogy going like, who can the bad guy be this time? Oh shit, 
Jason Momoa was a part of the family whose safe Dom stole <laughs> right, back right. in Fast Five. <laughs> Let's go back and fill it. And now you're going to pay for what you did to my family. Like, that's kind of literally what happens here in right. a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is. It, it very to, much to is. To not even get around. It's sort of what happens <laughs> yeah. here. It's Richie's family now, baby. Like, yeah. It's, so, so I think you're right. It doesn't have that guiding compass that the other ones so clearly have. It, and it's not even like, as you're saying with Scream 3, where they had the compass and they did a shit job with it. It, does, it doesn't yeah. really have the compass at all. And, and it, it feels like, and again, I want to be convinced that I'm wrong, okay? So <laughs> I want to <laughs> love this movie. There's no part of me that wants to dislike a Scream movie. Uh, well, and I wouldn't say I disliked it. I mean, no offense. No Scream movie doesn't have at least like two or three sequences where it's like, well, that's worth the price of admission alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the tr- the tram, the tram, spoken like a West Coast person, <laughs> the subway <laughs> scene is pretty, pretty freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that yes, scene. But mm-hmm. we'll talk about that more in detail. Uh, what, what I wanted to say, though, is it, it feels like that they're, they don't have a guiding compass for six, and they also are not intentionally not having a guiding compass. I, th- I think that's where it, it re- like, like I think we can kind of come up with like, oh yeah, you know, he he's saying, um, you know, Stabner was like meat, so this movie's like meat in the franchise. It's just like another one. But I don't, I'm, it doesn't feel like they're actually trying to make that statement. That sounds like a cool read that we have. Yeah, but may- maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. No, but I, but I think I think you raise a point. I think what this actually feels like is a compass shift of a movie. I don't think the compass has shifted by the time this movie starts. It sort of feels like if they were to make a Scream 7, and if they were, just put the 7 in place of the S. That's all I'm asking. Like, that's how <laughs> oh, we're... please. That's, yes. how, that's how we're spelling Scream this time around. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. feels like by 7, the compass would be pointed somewhere genuinely different. And it sort of yeah. feels like this is the transitional movie in sure. a lot of ways. And I think it... Here's a, like, a thing that I loved about it and a thing that I had an issue with, and like I think it gets to your point, which is like this is a decent New York movie without being an amazing New York movie. And they didn't shoot a lot in New York. It's not like they were using the city. Canada's right. cheaper, free healthcare. I get it. We're down. We salute. <laughs> uh, go Blue Jays. But, <laughs> and, and like some of the New York details are exquisite. The apartments are exquisite Mm -hmm. those are new york apartments those are college new york apartments that is that is an ace detail those little two cramped hallways and production design not expanding them for cameras ease get down with your bad self that is some great new york shit the deli the one train great new york shit everything else tell me the movie takes place in new york question mark I don't think so. And it, it even yeah. that setting holds a little bit of the same ambivalence that you're describing, right? Some of it is amazing yeah. and some of it could be anywhere in the world to quote Canadian band Alex is on fire. You know what I mean? Shouts to Canada. <laughs> That's th- it, it, so I agree with you. Like there's sort of it lives in this half space and I kept thinking I wish they'd done a commentary on that to maybe try and find the take that we have because I wrote down in my notes, some of the most interesting moments in this movie feel like they get backburnered for the next one. Like, I don't know about you guys. Okay. Did, did you think in the third act 
we were going to go, not Sam and Tara are the killers, but Sam and Tara give in and are kind of genuinely remorseless. I thought there was a very clear moment of Tara actually enjoying putting that knife into poor white avatar boy's mouth and (laughs) twisting. And and we already know Sam gets some satisfaction. And the Mm -hmm. movie seems to set up that idea with her in her psychiatrist's office going, honestly, it felt right. Mm -hmm. This didn't feel wrong to me. And I was like, oh, are we going to go there? And then we only half go there. Yeah. And and I kept thinking, well, that's the thing about franchises, right? You you always got to save something for the next one. And I sort of wish they'd worked that into their thesis because if any franchise was going to be able to get away with pushing that, that narrative, it's the Scream one, which can afford to talk about it in its DNA. But Micah, kind of like what you were saying, it doesn't really do that. It doesn't really go that full, or maybe it does. And on a second viewing, that'll become clear. But coming out of this one, I'm like, I'm like, no, it feels more in the soup than it does you know, like the main ingredient. It's not, right. it's not yeah. super specific. Yeah, that makes me hope that by the next movie they can go with that more and push it more because I think because the their thesis wasn't really working for me in this movie because I feel like there was a lack of one. It's almost yeah. like when, her, when Mindy's saying like it could be anybody and it's like then it could be Sam. And, yeah. and like maybe maybe making us question it a little bit uh-huh. more yeah, would yeah. have been may, maybe for me personally like a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Um, but I but I understand. Man, it's just it's just so tough, especially if they they push it even harder. But by the end of the movie, we don't we don't we're, we're not sure where we lie on it. So that yeah. we have the third movie to completely explore it. Well, it it makes me think uh, the things you are both saying make me feel like this is a movie. That that I like okay. It's fun. I will probably rewatch it. Mm-hmm. It's scream. Still scary. Still good. But if they write the next movie well and really do it well, it'll be that experience that I think probably everyone had when they saw Endgame and it yeah. was flashing back to Thor the Dark World and you were like, Oh wait, is this movie actually good? And yeah. I just like forgot or something. Yeah. Like I I feel like Scream Seven and even a bigger chance where it could kind of be like the take could be like hey we left all of these things dangling and now we have to like wrap it up in a way that's satisfying but that's not possible we all saw rise of skywalker or something like that you Mm. know um yeah i mean you know honestly there's always that uh this is just popping in my head right now there's there's always that film or film uh that that fan theory that matthew lillard should come back yeah yeah which i i i hate i hate that because it's like don't don't just like kill that movie like i love what he did and all that but you if you compared your movie to the emperor in rise of skywalker in the next one you could bring matthew lillard back in it's, a way that would satisfy like, me like, like, yeah. l- listen like every every scream movie is a somehow palpatine return because somehow yeah, ghost totally. returns but that yeah. would really be the somehow palpatine returned of these movies you're 100 percent right <laughs> yeah like, I, if, 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 like Stu yeah. comes back if you directors want to take that, you don't even have to cite me. I'll just happily watch it and be like, cool, they heard the Macaw Podcast universe. Well, I, I get what you're saying about that, Micah, like why you wouldn't like him coming back. But for me, it's like, I don't know, it's Scream. They usually know why they're doing it. Yeah. So yeah. I would be fine with it. <laughs> I trust it. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Well, and I think to your point too, like the mystery, what's interesting to be pitching like Matthew Lillard coming back is it probably wouldn't be a very good whodunit. It would be fun yeah. franchise stuff, but as, right. as we outlined in Scream 5, right? Mindy lays it plain. Like Scream, if you're returning to its roots, is a mystery whodunit as much as it is the slasher. The question is, who is yeah, it under right. that mask? Is that reveal going to be interesting or great? And I think this was the Scream movie. I want to you know only half tap myself on the back because i got two of the three (laughs) right and i didn't have the third but i had quinn and her dad pegged in about the first 15 minutes really oh wow really it it was it it was the moment so probably more like 30 let me hold myself (laughs) in humility here but when we did when we saw quinn and ghostface in the bedroom and we did not see her die. I was like, "Yep, totally." There it is. Totally, because <laughs> they always is. show it because it's it's yep. a slasher. They yeah, show got, it. I should have known. <laughs> you gotta see him die, and I'm like, "It's probably dad." And then when he comes out and goes, "All my children are gone," I'm like, "We didn't know you had a second child. That's gonna be relevant." So I was like, "Oh, it's probably Richie or it's someone." And I yeah. just didn't have younger brother pegged. I thought. He was genuinely going to be a nice guy, but there was only one genuinely nice guy in this movie, and he's yoked. Yeah. What can I say? It's they, oh, there's two, there's Chad and <laughs> uh, Josh Segura. I'm just going to call him Josh Segura because he plays Josh <laughs> Segura in this movie. Uh, yes, he does. <laughs> the, the, like ni- it used to be, nice guys finish last. Now, nice guys finish yoked. Like they just—I <laughs> don't know what happened. Somebody call Billy Joe Armstrong. Give him the update. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, w- speaking of uh, speaking of Josh, I when we walked out of the theater, I had only seen this man in She-Hulk. Yes, and I was like, "Hey, Jordan, I know we need to discuss this movie and everything, but." Uh, I guess that guy is just like that. <laughs> and always perpetually has an eyebrow up. <laughs> this is like eyebrow the, up. Like, this is like the Shoulders third thing I've days. seen him in. So I think by this point it's like, oh cool, we got this guy in it. And I, I that's kind of how I felt. He is like and I this is not me, uh I'm not I'm not I I enjoy both of those performances actually quite a bit. Um, but it's like, oh, this guy is doofy. He is so doofy, and I thought I thought he was like acting in She-Hulk, but he's doing the same thing in this movie. Yes, and and I'm no. for it. Like, oh no, yeah, yeah. Like I, uh, more power to you. You're welcome on the pod anytime, my friend. But uh, I, that was the most shocking thing out of this whole movie. Listen, like Josh Segara and Jason Momoa, happy bros road comedy yeah. when just oh my like gosh. just yeah. two dudes being dudes. Probably saying the word boom and bet a lot. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's a vibe and it works. It's why he's a very good Gen Z star. There are plenty of movie stars who have played themselves before. But sometimes it's been more of a personality than a vibe. And I mm-hmm. think with him, yeah. it really is a vibe. Like, he, he comes in kind of as the half point between, like, early Keanu and yeah. now Jason Momoa. And oh, it, you're so right. Yeah. And it works. It just, it's a nice, I don't know if it would hold a movie on its own, but it is such a nice color in an ensemble and he always <laughs> really pops is. and he always yeah. pops. I love his shit. He's, he's really fun. 
Like, and, I, like and I said is, off mic, he's in his own express land. He's cruising down yeah. it. <laughs> Hot, and, nice and it guy is good, car. It's, it's good scream casting because the whole movie, I pretty much was like, yeah, he's in on this. Like, he's too... Oh my God. You even thought that when the last movie, it was the boyfriend? I, I just I just convinced. thought somehow he was into it, but I I also never guess these movies. I'm so yeah. bad at whodunits. I I could never guess not, these. Not things, to like but, never say never because I mean truly with a scream movie anything's possible because if they have their interesting take they're gonna do it even if it's a boyfriend three yeah. times in a row. Yeah. But or, or I, actually, I just didn't. I just you know didn't what? think it was him though. I actually I I will amend myself because I'm remembering the scene where they kissed and I was like if he was the killer they wouldn't have this scene because this would make yeah. it too obvious that he might be the killer. Oh. We okay. have to go with Dwight Schrute's. Uh, uh, the person you most medium suspect. It's the person you most medium <laughs> suspect. <laughs> <laughs> that is the scream mantra. Yeah. Oh, um, scream seven have a Nelly Nutmeg character. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. So so let's see. Uh, just to hit it real quick, because there's not a, yeah. there's actually not a lot of production stuff here. But but once again, this is like the same crew as the last movie, directed by Matt. Bet Bettinelli Olpen and mm-hmm. Tyler Gillett or Gillett. You might know. Do you know? I actually don't. I okay. I don't know how many Infinity Podcast episodes you've heard, but I usually butcher names. And when I'm in danger <laughs> of doing it, I just call the person Matthew McConaughey. So I'm thrilled Matthew McConaughey <laughs> co-directed <laughs> this movie. Mazel tov. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. Uh, the cinematographer is Brett Jet Kiewitz, uh, and the music is by Brian Tyler, and then newcomer to the franchise, Sven Falconer. Uh, and then it came out last week. Budget 33 to 35. It's already open to the franchise's best opening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're just days away. By the time this episode comes out, I'll be surprised if they haven't announced that Scream 7 oh, is yeah, happening. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, it feels inevitable at this point, yeah. which, which is very fitting given what this movie is about, right? The sort of inevitability yes. of these things keeping yeah. going. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing to note, and I, I am very excited to hear what you thought of this uh, yeah. as far as w- the outcome of the movie. So Nev yes. Campbell did not return to this movie. And by all accounts, what she said and what it seems like people confirmed is they – did not offer her enough money. And and that might sound like, oh, she's being greedy. But it, from what she said, and I think the cast even supported her decision, it was like, she's so valuable to the franchise, and it was a little bit insulting. And she even said, if I was a man, this would not be a conversation that's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, they would have offered me so much more money. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm not returning. Yeah. And if, hey, I'm, I'm, Go for go for it, Nev. Like, yeah, y- you of all people deserve like the most credit for Scream, besides Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson. So, you know what? Like, yeah. If if you if you need to leave because they're being sexist, that's fine with me. Yeah. And and it almost feels like th- we we're talking about how this movie doesn't really have like a strong compass, and I sort of wonder if that was the compass, right? Because sure. I don't very clearly based on these discussions she was supposed to be a part of it, right? That if yeah. you wouldn't mm-hmm. offer her a role, offer her the opportunity if you don't have some story in mind. Totally. And I thought it was so interesting that they gave her her happy ending. And that is 
basically what they then do for all the characters, right? They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the fuck all of continuing to bring these guys back is it means someone's not going to get into ride right off into the sunset. Someone's going to have to go down. And if we keep making this, we're just going to keep watching people we love slowly drop off this train to their doom and death. And that doesn't happen for any mm-hmm. of the characters yeah. we care about at all. Like that sort of more than anything seems to have been the kind of guiding light of the project. Well, if Sydney gets her happy ending and Nev walks away because she deserves to, because it was our yeah. fuck up, then Gail gets through. <laughs> yeah. And, Mace, yeah. and and Chad gets through and Mindy gets through and yeah. Tara gets through and Sam gets through. And this one, we just all walk away. We, we yeah. all yeah. literally walk away into the sunset. We do it. It's I'm we though we lose really one character we are meant to love in the movie because you sort of have to to bring in stakes, but even then that was the thing I felt guilty about. I've seen a lot of people talking about that ladder set piece, and I think it's mm-hmm. unbelievably well executed. Mm-hmm. But I yes, that was thinking, a great scene. It's a great scene, but I also remember thinking I was like, yeah, I, you haven't given me enough reason yet to love this character outside of who she is through the oh. eyes of Mindy. For this right. to hit the way it's supposed to hit. Right. And it seems at odds with, again, the rest of the movie's ethos. So it, yeah, this continued mix of like, God, it's great. It's <laughs> non specific. <laughs> it's non specific. Uh, to your other point, though, I, two, two things I'll say. One, um, I'm Team Nev all the way. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it was really refreshing at, the Oscars last night to hear so many people mention their mothers and talk about motherhood, which seems like a pivot, but I think where it connects is we're just, we're talking about women more, not just Mm because women talking won the screenplay, but we are actually (laughs) in these public discourses discussing what women mean to entertainment, to the survival of humanity, to Mm -hmm. humanity itself. And we are examining equal rights as much through that lens as how equal rights get subverted all the time in instances like this. If anywhere is supposed to be more female forward, it's Hollywood. It's a franchise Mm -hmm. that has rid or died on its women, right? Mm -hmm. You can name all the women in the screen movies faster than you can the men. And that's nothing against the men. Love the men of this franchise. Uh, The women have carried it. It, Sydney yeah, has carried absolutely. it. Courtney yeah. has carried it. We brought Kirby Reed back. Hayden Pantieri yeah. came back. You know what I mean? Marley Shelton. It's there's been so many great ones, and even here, there was an issue, and it felt yeah. really vibrant seeing that issue this weekend on screen contrast with Jamie Lee Curtis getting her Oscar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. For all the horror people that have carried me through, that's Nev Campbell. That's Nev. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So I thought that absolutely mattered. The only other production thing I wanted to mention, because it fascinates me to, to no end, how familiar are we with James Vanderbilt as a writer? Do we know James? Uh, you'd, have to, you'd have to bullet point me here. I, 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 he's, I, not a, he's not an off-the-dome guy. Let's, let's get weird. Let's get weird. I've got, <laughs> it, I've got, it, in, I've got it in front of me. Let's uh, go. Okay. Darkness Falls. Uh, the movie with the where the tooth fairy is the bad guy. Oh, and haven't seen. Evil, that. I did not see e- that, but I remember evil that. ghost called the tooth fairy. It's okay. Basic, <laughs> the John Travolta movie about a who done it investigation in an army base. Nasty little movie, 
better than you'd think. <laughs> the okay, Rundown. Okay. Awesome movie, right? The yeah. Rock, Christopher Walken, Sean William Scott, maybe one of the five best rock movies. <laughs> Jumps from there to Zodiac. He is the he, writer. He's a writer on Zodiac. He's the, the like writer. the screenplay. He's the credited writer of Zodiac. No, no. way. From so he wrote there, the best David Fincher movie. He wrote the best <laughs> David Fincher movie. Just some other highlights: the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man movies. <laughs> Both. Adam Sandler's murder mystery. And okay. these. And these. He honestly, that's a great career. It's an inc- <laughs> I it's would take lo- that career any day. It's a low-key incredible career. And when he is written for great directors, he has written really good screenplays. Like, mm-hmm. I can't, I don't just think it's his material getting elevated. It feels like he, fuck it, college basketball, you do it in threes, right? It's the improv <laughs> yes, rule of three. Yes. Some teams play up to their competition, and I feel that's like James Vanderbilt. He just writes yeah. up to whoever he's being matched with. And I can't think of any other writer who is that way. Like, the Losers is a really disappointing comic book movie. I love The Losers. And somehow he writes the best David Fincher movie. He mm. writes both these screams, which feel like the product of two different writers. It, mm-hmm. I, would not, absolutely. Yeah. I would not think the same guy wrote the script. It's, no. it, he's, he fascinates me to no end. And I can't get a compass read on him, on what his thing yeah. is. And... And he loves yeah. mystery, he <laughs> but loves, other than that, he yeah. loves mystery. He loves mystery, and I, I'm I'm the weirdo who actually kind of likes the movie Murder Mystery. I don't think it's a good movie, but yeah. I think it's a great Netflix press play movie with a weird. Okay, okay. Have you have you guys seen it? No, no. no but now hearing this and stuff, it's like, oh, the movie's probably way better than I thought. It the dynamic between Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler in that movie should be celebrated, should have a glass of wine. Yeah, to okay. It. Yeah. It, okay. It, it doesn't have to go that hard or that real, even while the uh-huh. movie is just pushing at extremities that it, like nothing can contain. You're like, this is beating <laughs> off the screen. It's so it's so out there and not in an uncringe way. But the chemistry and the relationship is actually so good. It's just like a mm-hmm. very I'm like, that's a very real Staten Island marriage. That's wow. I can't even remember if the characters were from Staten Island, but I'm like, that's a very real Staten Island <laughs> marriage. I have seen that marriage every time I've been to Staten Island. And I just I salute. I salute. I raise awesome. I raise one cup of red sauce to you. Gotta awesome. do it. It's great. <laughs> well, anytime anytime someone writes a movie that I think is as good as Zodiac or is involved with like that. Mm-hmm. They get put in this category in my brain where it's like if for the rest of the his career he just wrote movies that were like the quality of Black Adam, I'd still be like, well, he's a great writer. He wrote Zodiac. That's <laughs> yeah. the only yeah, one yeah, you yeah. need, and, yeah. and that counts. But the guy's got a lot more than that. Yeah. yeah. Also, my favorite David Fincher movie. So I'm here mm-hmm. to yeah. join the Zodiac Club. Favorite Robert oh, Downey yes. Jr. performance. A lot of favorites oh. running through Zodiac. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, now is it is it your favorite Jake? That's that's the big question. It is not my favorite Jake, although it might be his best. The thing about Jake is he gets his his <laughs> special his special strain of weird Jake, right? Mm-hmm. Or unhinged Jake. And mm-hmm. right now it's ambulance. I think Jake is <laughs> yeah. Jake Jake yeah. gives the most the needle Michael drop? Bay per- the needle <laughs> sailing. 
Say, and, and from everything I've seen of Jake on Instagram, I know that's how he is. I yeah, know that yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that is what Jake is doing in his yeah. so many Uber drivers have taken Jake Gyllenhaal somewhere <laughs> and he's been singing something in the back of their car with headphones on. I would bet every dollar in my bank account on it. Yeah. It's so real. He gets Michael Bay on a beautiful level in that film. And <laughs> oh my I'm, gosh, I'm, totally. I'm, the, I'm the obsessed. Scene, the, the scene in that movie when um, he's trying to convince Yaya like what like to do the job. Uh-huh. And oh the camera God. is just spinning and spinning <laughs> yeah, and you're spinning. Like, and Jake, Jake is going nuts. I was like, this movie's bananas. <laughs> and, and somehow Jake never blinks. Like he edited no. it so that he never <laughs> blinks as the camera is spinning around and I'm like that's Jake Gyllenhaal just a yeah. the the eye of the tornado that is also a tornado yes i mean honestly i'm i'm kind of low key hoping for like a a De Niro Scorsese team up for the next like five Michael Bay yes. movies where it's like, oh yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal is just in these now. It, it, since you guys said you like weird tangents, can I tell you the story of the time I saw Ambulance? Because I yeah, think please, I have, please. I truly have a story for the ages. So I, Micah, when you were on the Infinity Podcast, I don't think I could share this and I'm 95% sure I can share this now. So oops, if I'm making a mistake, but this time last year, like literally a year ago, I was in Thailand making a movie called True Love that comes out in October. Uh, it's the new Garth Edwards movie. It's very, very large oh, and wild okay. and crazy. Yeah, I may make the final cut of it. We shall see. Whoa. And I flew out there to do the movie, and I was in my sandbox quarantine stage, and I was very, very jet-lagged, trying to figure out what to do with myself that would take minimal effort but mm-hmm. keep me awake mm-hmm. fight through the jet lag and i was in a part of bangkok before i got to set that had these massive malls just these incredible malls and one of them was this very five-star mall every luxury brand you could think of under the sun and at the bottom floor of this mall there's an advertisement for a movie theater on the top floor i'm like oh well cool ambulance <laughs> ambulance was coming out in april in the states but this is the second week of March, and they've got it. I'm like, oh, wow. oh heck yeah. Holy shit, I can go see Ambulance. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I go up to the fifth floor of this of this mall. They've got original statues by cause there. Like, So those are worth millions of dollars. I'm like, wow. what the fuck is this mall? <laughs> this is weird. You're, you're going up into the glass onion right now. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> the Mona Lisa's over there. <laughs> There, there was like an open concept bookstore and garden that I was like <laughs> walking through to get to the theater. I was like, what the fuck is this? I get to the movie theater. It's plated in gold. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> go up and, and I'm like, hey, uh, one for ambulance. They're like, okay, go on in. And I ran my Apple Pay and I saw the number come up. And in my head, I'm like, that was large. That's a large number. But conversion rate's different here. Wait, let me do the math. Set sixty dollars. Did I just pay sixty dollars to see Ambulance? I just paid sixty. What? Why, why the fuck did I just pay sixty dollars to see the movie Ambulance? What is going on? I get into the theater. Every theater is a bed. Every what? theater what? is a bed. The way that that some <laughs> the way that some of our theaters have the recliners. The front row are literally beds, just like angled up at the ceiling. Oh my god! And the ones that recline back have like sheets. They bring us blankets. What? Uh, there's luxury <laughs> drink service. I'm like, oh, this is why I paid sixty dollars to see ambulance. 
because oh, I'm just like watching this movie in a warm blanket and the most comfortable seat I've ever been in. Yeah. And I'm I, I could not be happier. And then and then <laughs> an anthem starts playing on behalf of whoever rules Thailand. Whoa. And I look around and everyone has thrown off their blankets and they are saluting. And I'm like, oh shit. So I jump up and I salute. And as I'm doing that, I'm like, is this a good thing? Wait, what? I didn't do my research as to what the government of Thailand is like and what this man's relationship to the people is. And I don't know how to feel about this. I later found out that had I not jumped up, I could have been arrested. And I can confirm that there were people who came in for the anthem and were watching. No way. Just to recap, saw Ambulance in Thailand (laughs) two weeks before it came out in the States, paid $60 for it, (laughs) did it in a bed, and almost got arrested for not saluting because I was just vibing on my bed pre-ambulance. I will never forget seeing Ambulance as long as I live. So, I mean, was it worth the money? (laughs) Oh, I thought I think ambulance is worth sixty bucks. <laughs> I, I loved ambulance. I, lo- I love it so much. I, what, probably the most unique theater experience I've ever heard. <laughs> I I'm not sure I'll ever top it. I, That's crazy. I, no, I could, and you shouldn't try because you can't. It has to no, be happenstance I, that that would ever I be. I could topped. be in a movie that premieres in space on the moon, and if like the moon leader's anthem doesn't play, and I'm almost uh, yeah. arrested, I'm gonna be like, "Nah, it's not Thailand." <laughs> nope, <laughs> not the same. <laughs> Sorry, not the My same gosh. thing, man. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm I'm glad. I'm very glad you 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 took us down that rabbit hole. Uh, but That's to close it up, do. yeah, seal it. I just gotta say, for our listeners and for you. Jake Gyllenhaal, favorite, and I think best, gotta be Prisoners. Okay. That's my favorite. Yeah. Detective Loki. Yeah. 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 D- for the hair alone. The, the hair, yeah. the hair the alone. And the, and the blinking. Incredible. Oh, man. The it's, blinking acting, that's that's next level right there. It, it's the internalized weird performance, right? Yeah. Like, all, all mm-hmm. the weird shit in Detective Loki is contained, and you never see him harness that energy. It, it, it takes a much more norm-corm form, usually. Yeah. And it's so good. It's so good. He's he's one of our treasures. I'm I fully support that choice. Yes. Uh, what about you? Oh, it and probably, then we'll go back to scream. <laughs> it would probably be prisoners too. Yeah. But Zodiac is like it's like it's right close. There. It's close. But Pr- I, I have been very much enjoying the zany Jake we've been yeah. getting. Yeah. And Morph and Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah, and that was a movie we didn't finish, no. but but not because <laughs> it's, of it's him. not a great movie. Yeah. It's not a great. It's it's a great Jake Gyllenhaal performance. Yeah, and a yeah. pretty okay movie. Yeah, yeah, but and, and lest we forget before we leave, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, he he did make one of the coolest Spider-Man villains, but also one of the ones that seemed the least adaptable into a great Spider-Man villain, Mysterio. That he was good. That's not easy. It, it, it really that's got to be in the the what is it the s a b tier of marvel movie villains like you could make an argument for any of them and i would understand b if you're including the movie at large a or s if you're just going by gyllenhaal it's it's really it's incredible work mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah, the man rules. We mm-hmm. love him. And hey, yeah. I know you'll never hear this or know about it, but you're welcome on the podcast anytime. You could oh, become I'd the be third too host. Nervous. Actually, yeah, Jordan would just sit there He's quietly. He's my celeb crush of all time. <laughs> Yo, Jake, Jake's got a great burner letter box. Uh, another thing I would bet every dollar in the bank yeah. on. Yeah. Jake, Jake has a really pleasant burner letter box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But scream. Scream. <laughs> how do we how do we go back okay i i have i have a because uh, already we're, we're taking this approach we're doing the jump around classic yep. guest jump around episode love it so yep. here is something uh you know i've critiqued the movie quite a bit but something that i thought was truly excellent and and very shocking and surprising was the first 15 minutes of this movie which yeah. we yeah kind of touched on when it started, and she gets the phone call, and she's going down the alley, I was kind of like, "This actually isn't that tense," you know. I'm like, "I'm like, like it's tense, it's fine, but but for Scream, this is this is going to be a bottom opener." And then he takes off his mask, and I'm like, "Okay, mm-hmm. let's go." Mm-hmm. Like, and then I, I honestly, I'm a little disappointed that that was. That That's didn't, not that didn't follow with. through uh, all the way, but I do like I do like the cleverness of them going. You thought that that was the ghost face call, but the ghost face call is actually to a ghost face, which uh, hasn't. Well, I think it has happened. Maybe in three, isn't Courtney Cox on the phone like calling him or no Nevis calling him? Yes. And, but yes. not in the same way. But, but like, yeah, not like what like you're saying. You're getting a phone call. It's like, hey, I'm gonna get you revenge. Yeah. This one is like a legit ghost face call to someone we saw murder. Yeah. It, it it makes good on the marketing, right? The marketing kept highlighting that line of "I'm something different," and you're like, uh-huh. "Well, is that bullshit or isn't it?" And a ghost face that kills off another ghost face. Haven't seen that before. That is. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, we again, we kind of get it in three, depending on how you feel about Liev Schreiber's role in yeah. the right. whole je ne sais quoi origin of Ghostface, but not really. This is yeah. This is a genuinely different place for these movies to be. And I do. I felt. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go no, no, go ahead. Go. No, you, no, no, no. You, you know, you, you, ladies first. <laughs> ladies first. Oh, I was cutting you off, and I. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a, a Josh thought. Segura, just like a gentleman. You know, oh, just I raise that eyebrow. Raise yoked. that eyebrow. <laughs> Okay, it's not well, as convincing. <laughs> <laughs> I, what I was going to say is what, what I love about that, though, is is like we, we have have so many of these screen movies. Ghostface always comes back. And in a way, I do feel like it's the first time we're seeing Ghostface, Ghostface's competing for it, for what they want, like competing yeah, for their that's true. I, whatever they're going for their goal. And that was super interesting. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah, This is a Ghostface that genuinely wants to punish people. Yeah. And and that believes there should be consequences. Yeah. Right? Like that is that is a different kind of ghost face. There's no language of cinema for this one. Mm-hmm. It's it it's in love of the director, the creator, the person as opposed to the property. This is a ghost face that is is in service of the idea of what if these stop? Right? Yeah. Like what if yeah. this ends with Richie? They're not aiming to keep going. They're aiming to use the iconography that's been built up to end it, right? We're building back down to one. We're not expanding yeah. outwards. We're we're yeah. we're resetting the clock to zero. 
and I'm not leaving cinematic calling cards. I'm leaving killer calling cards. It's yeah. It, it is that was all very exciting to me because it it even though it wasn't as we've said classic scream, it felt in line without being reverent. It, it mm-hmm. it's like okay, mm-hmm. we're really gonna give. What if there's a different motivation here? Killing is still the end game, but there's a different driving force here. Yeah, well, and and this will sound uh, this will be a little contradictory of what what you're saying, but uh, yeah. again. We're just exploring here. The other like main thing that that I wanted to discuss in this is I realized halfway through this movie, my brain shut off in one of the police scenes where they were talking about characters. When they, when they had the the whiteboard and they had all of everyone's pictures and basically the yarn going. Yeah, everywhere. and they're, and they're talking and and I I hit this moment. And and maybe the movie's being intentional. I would actually buy that with this, that the movie's commenting on this, where I was like, you know what? I can tell you the plot of every Marvel movie. I could probably do it with DC. I could do it with Star Wars. I could do it like and I and I went, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I don't know if I can go into a new movie of any movie and go, you have to remember every single Scream movie. Or you have to remember every Star Wars. I'm like, I'm like I, I can't keep doing this. I can't mm-hmm. hold this mini series in my head. Mm-hmm. I I have to tell you, I did think that was intentional. You and, do, okay, and and, and 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 I agree with you because I think like there that is the thing that they're wrestling with. Like again, what if these keep going? Like we're seeing it happen with Marvel, right? Yeah. We're seeing we're seeing this culture wide burnout happen with Marvel, and everybody's litmus is at a different place. But I think they're definitely in a kind of post-imperialist pop burnout phase now well what's it gonna be ant-man what's exactly right (laughs) yeah time i can give you what you want time (laughs) i I love jonathan majors this is this is a pro jonathan majors household uh, creed three forever it yes absolutely absolutely but but again even there there's a weird example right actually because even though the creed movies are a in their own way, direct continuation of the Rocky movies, there was a gear shift. We at least shifted from Rocky to Creed, and so we don't feel like we have to keep track of the plot of the Rocky movies anymore. (laughs) By Creed Creed 3, you only have to know what happened in the previous two Creed movies, and not even. So in that way, you're on like the ninth or 10th installment, I'm not doing math well, but you're you're somewhere uh, in the eighth to ninth ninth. It was ninth. Yeah, you're in the ninth recent, installment. Yeah, and you genuinely feel like you're on the third. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. a relief. That's yeah. a relief because again, there's less for you to keep track of. I think what you felt, I felt that too. I was like, oh my god, we've been here a lot. Oh my god, we've <laughs> yeah, been here yeah. so many. We have been here for two thirds of my of my life, and not just mm-hmm. my adult life, my teen life, and. Mm-hmm there's a chance we're going to still be here. And I thought the movie kind of felt that. There felt like a few moments where the movie really consciously kind of throws up its arms and goes like, yeah, yeah, man. And and I don't, I don't think it's an accident that they kill off not one, but two people they've made in their other movies before. I keep thinking like you could cast anybody and yeah, it's fun to cast Samara Weaving and Henry Cavill. But if you're going to cast them both, you're making a point. You're like, no, we are... We're gonna we're gonna rip through our own filmography. We're not 
we're a part of the problem. If we choose to do this, we are yeah. adding fuel to the fire. And I thought that was part of their way of holding themselves accountable was like, yeah, uh, people who are the stars of our other movies become meat in this one. Like, yeah, this is the inevitability that's pretty, here. That's a pretty good take. This is what I was hoping was going to happen, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> I try. I, I've been thinking you're about making, this movie a lot. You're man. making me notch it up. I I was just thinking, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, all right, all right. What What do yeah. you think about that, though, Jordan? The the franchise retention that we're we're required to have as viewers. I love. I so I would like to watch this movie again, and I would love to watch it with the lens of that not mattering so much because there's you too know much. Who it is. Well, yeah. that too. Oh, that yeah, well, right, that would right. be a, that would be all that uh, the gift of hindsight, I guess, yeah. or whatever. But twenty twenty, with from what I hear, sure. But yeah, <laughs> that that would be great to look at. Go through the beginning with that lens and some of the other stuff we've talked about. I think it would change my outlook. I'm already feeling better about it because of. Uh, whatever the third movie will be this, this, this like I didn't like not super enjoy this movie and be like oh it's going downhill already I'm like didn't enjoy it a ton and I'm like can't wait to, to see how they <laughs> right, figure it out in the right, third yeah. one it's not my, my faith in the series has not gone down at all yeah so th- if anything this has given me hope for like not even how they would fix it for me just what they're gonna do with what they've established in this movie yeah if that makes yeah sense. yeah it- it it feels mm. like a movie that will improve or lower in standing depending on what happens in the next one, which yes. is not a massive compliment. But I also yeah. think like th- this is, I think the thing I also loved about this movie as someone that since Southbound has been a radio silence booster. Like these guys, if I'm admitting critical bias, I just vibe with these with with these dudes so much and this entire uh-huh. production team director's team though the whole gang that is comprised of radio silence is that i i think they challenged themselves on this film i really think they tried to do something different in the sense that the catharsis that comes isn't really the catharsis of the bad guy getting theirs that does happen but that's not really where the the release comes the release comes from chad being alive that's this movie's version of release. That's like the yeah. big moment that reveals the thesis. Like, no, we get a happy ending. If these things keep going, there have to be some happy endings. Sometimes they all have to make it through. We have to do something different. Uh, we genuinely yeah. do. And, and I don't think, again, I don't think it works as well as Richie getting stabbed on the floor because there is a new rule, which is don't fuck with the daughter of a serial killer. It doesn't mm-hmm. work as well as everybody actually blowing up at the end of Ready or Not. Like it's <laughs> it's not really quite in the wheelhouse of other radio silent stuff. And I applaud them for going somewhere else and like actually yeah. trying something yeah. different. And that was the thing that I walked away going like, man, they could just they could genuinely burn it all down in the next movie. They could go back to scream standards, and I would mm-hmm. just be so happy they were making another. Like, yeah. which is which Same. is actually one of the highest compliments I could pay this movie is I walked away not worried about Radio Silence or this franchise at all. I was sort yeah. of like, I was like, yeah, now do the next one, which is, I think they're genuinely worried about a next one at the start of the movie. They're like, I don't know, guys. I'm not <laughs> sure we should scream seven. <laughs> and by the end, it's like, no, I think we should scream seven. I think we should do this. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's do it at least one more time. Let's do it at yeah. least one more time. 
You see, that also gives me hope on a rewatch because keep in mind it was 80 degrees in there and i, <laughs> I know was we mustn't pretty forget. mad by the end oh. of this movie for those reasons but by the end of this movie when they just off cuff were like oh chad's alive i was like they couldn't let one person die but that being <laughs> said like i i didn't want gail to die because i because it's like oh i feel like you can't kill gail because he killed dewey yeah and and the one before like it, it just would again they can do whatever they want and whatever can i throw an insane take out there i have an insane take about the chad thing because i also was admittedly a little disappointed in part because i thought the death was beautiful i actually thought yeah i think i felt the same way it it was lovingly acted and i didn't want him to die but i felt i felt robbed of him in a way that i did not feel robbed of any of the deaths beforehand right the reason that the latter set piece as great as it is as an act of filmmaking didn't hit the way that i wanted it to i I love Chad. They've mo- we've had two movies to love Chad, and mm-hmm. that is a way to up the stakes in a sequel. Genuinely, um, from a yeah. from a place of caring about the characters and not cheapness. The moment it most reminded me of how familiar are we with the Mission Impossible movies? Very, very. Ghost Protocol, a- astute. That uh, this that moment is the how do you know? How do you know she's not dead? Right. Yeah. And and when he walks and we have kind of the magic reveal of Michelle Monaghan. Yeah. Still alive, still afar. It's a moment that when I first saw that movie, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, Brad Bird. Okay. <laughs> okay, Tom. Brought her back. That's, that's a little cheesy, but okay. And I was a little disappointed. And having gotten to the end of Rogue Nation, so about it great i love yeah. i yeah, love yeah. what we did i love what we did to get michelle monaghan back now yeah. i am on board with that moment 110 percent. i'm hoping that's what happens with the chad moment i'm yeah. really hoping that like so in the next yeah, movie yeah. yeah we we have this feels right this feels yeah. better it's, than it's it so did funny at the end of it to think of it because because usually you think about like you want someone to earn their death in anything. Like you want to be moved by it, convinced by it. But I am on, I think I'm on that kind of end where it's like, like you proved to me that you needed to earn that he didn't die by the next movie. Like I, I I think that is something I need in the third movie. Absolutely. Yeah. I I don't have anything else to contribute to that part of the conversation, but I agree. (laughs) 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 But I, I, another thing that I, because this movie is certainly not without its clever moments. Even even me walking out with sweat pouring out of me, grabbing napkins out of the theater, wiping my brow, <laughs> I I knew I knew like okay, I I'm not sure what I think about this movie, but there's still a lot of clever stuff. And one of them, and and maybe I'm just not as well versed in the slasher, so maybe you'll th- you'll say no. There's a bunch of examples sure. of this, but the that last sequence, the last act. They're there, and the moment where uh, uh, I'm forgetting the character names, but Je- is it Jenna? Jen? Jen? Jenna Ortega? Jenna Ortega? Oh my gosh, Tara. my brain is not. Yeah. Tara, Tara and uh, Sam. Sam. So yeah, they're they're holding hands on the balcony. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, they're the damsels in distress. Like they're gonna die. They're the final girls. You know. Well, I mean, I knew they weren't gonna die, but you know, you're yeah. sitting there, and then they they have that knowing look where it's like, let's kill them. Let's do this. And then they let go, and it's like, oh no, the final girl is like going after the guys now. Yeah, uh, guys being Ghostface, and I was like, that's pretty clever. That's cool. And, and it was it was such a beautiful screenwriting moment of symbolism, kind of showing up out of nowhere, 
totally earned of the you need to let me go. Mm-hmm. But the letting me go means I take a knife out of your pocket and I drop <laughs> yeah. down and I stab some dude in the mouth. I was like, yes. This yeah, is, that was I, like a great moment in the movie. I, I loved it. I loved it. It's it, the the moments in this movie are as good as anything in a scream movie. I, like yeah. it, it's like moment to moment. There's some unbelievable stuff in this. Like really fun fucking stuff. I mean the Just, the freaking subway. The tension on the subway was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That was such a fantastic scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That- have we seen? Have we seen before? So. We're we're not New Yorkers, but sure. um, the the simple fact of living in New York City and being with a group of people when it's really busy down there and so easily getting split up felt like such a New York thing to yes. add tension, like natural tension. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is every single situation but getting stabbed. And let me be clear, universe, <laughs> I am not looking to add this one to the list. So... <laughs> This is not a call to action, but like the getting separated from friends by a train door. The when it's rush hour, you just pushed enough body lengths away that you might actually lose the person. Um, right. The Halloween specificity of everybody being in costume on the train. If you've ever done the New York train ride down to the Halloween party, it's all so true. And cool. it's yeah. all very tense. And I that was the great New York moment of the movie for me. Yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's the moment where I was like, every detail about this is great down to the stops that they're calling yeah. out. Uh, oh, is, yeah. And, and the distances were impeccably measured. Like, I, 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 oh, God, I'm dropping the J-bomb. I went to Juilliard, which is how I know <laughs> the one train so well. I had to ride that shit to Lincoln Center all the time. Yeah. And so I was sitting there like digging my nails into my legs because I'm going, God damn, they measured out the lengths. They measured out wow. the lengths wow. and the train wasn't stopping That's and starting. So like it's great. it's so fucking spot on. It's yeah. ooh. That, that hit me right in the in That's the what I want to hear. Well, yeah. and, and speaking to the costumes, something I love, and this is something mm. all the Scream movies are good at. But yep. th- this one, this one I thought was good too because you're seeing all these other costumes. Is you know this is the thing that they talk about on Freedom sometimes, yeah. where they're talking mm-hmm. about like how when you watch like a sitcom, everyone has like the best costumes in the world. Mm-hmm. And when I was watching this, I was kind of actually looking for that, and I'm like, no, th- these are all believable. Like these, these like are yeah. people DIY. that could do a DIY like. Red balloon raincoat. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. Michael Myers. Yes. Like all of that. My, my biggest reach of a take for this whole movie and its thesis about who actually gives a fuck about movies in these is that in that section, right, with the just okay costumes, we see somebody with a just okay Babadook costume in the background. Yeah. And the yeah. movie never makes a thing of it. I'm like, no. the, the Babadook was the action hero line of Scream 5. And I still <laughs> think the Babadook's a better movie. Yeah. The camera doesn't linger. No one says no. anything. No, yeah. no thing from Mandy. They're like, we're, we're not there anymore, man. We're past that. And I thought, like, right. that was very purposeful. You don't just throw him into the back, given the movie you made before, if you're not trying to establish a contrast that our value system has shifted, like, dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. But to your point, it's an okay Babadook. He could just as easily be going as Alice Cooper and gone overboard with the paint. <laughs> right. Like, it's... Right. Yeah. 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 It's fine. And, it's and fine I, I think that's a good, like, realism touch, which yeah. is always, you know, that's always 
one of the fun defining features about Scream beyond the whodunit and the the meta nature of them is seeing someone who is a killer run and get tripped over a table. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, that's always so exhilarating because you're like, oh yeah, that's a person. Mm-hmm. There's a person. It's not Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, they've never they've never made it this out to be any kind of like invincibility thing. It, right. It's the if, if anything the it's the idea of Ghostface is the invincibility part that ca- carries it from yeah. like this person identified this way with Ghostface and that's yeah. why they're doing it in this movie so on and so forth. Y- yes, yes. Uh, yeah. They 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 nailed that again in this movie. That's yeah. something the movies have always nailed very well. Yeah. Um yeah. And, and when they're really leaning into that it, this movie soars, right? I think the the bodega set piece to me is another mm-hmm. unbelievable example. And I know there was some chatter about, oh, Ghostface with a shotgun. But now that we know who the killers are, and now that we can almost certainly presuppose that that was good old cop dad right. uh, wielding the shotgun. Oh, yeah. Right. I, almost without fail. The use of the shotgun makes more sense. And the architecture and texture of the bodega is another chef's kiss moment from the snacks that spill out to the tightness of the aisles to the fact that it is weirdly tall yet weirdly spare. I I have never (laughs) been in a bodega that makes great use of its space. It makes fun, chaotic use of its space that is efficient. Like, like toilet paper (laughs) on top of the soda cooler. You know what I mean? Like that's how we bodega and that's the bodega (laughs) production design and energy of that scene. And and the the feeling is right. Like I've seen things happen in New York bodegas where like people are arguing, and then someone else comes in, and so the argument shifts over to them, almost like yeah. someone is yes ending an improv scene, <laughs> right? And upping yeah. the stakes in real time. That's it's a very New York bodega thing. And so I bought that scene hook, line, and sinker. I thought, yeah, this this is another realism touch. Actually, this is a very real New York moment. Yeah, and another uh, incredibly tense moment. Yes. I mean, pretty much all of the... It's like you're saying. Like, I, I don't think any of us were disappointed by the moments in the movie. It, it might no. be that no. we're still reckoning with the whole of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. And and one... Uh, so another thing that I keep thinking about, and and I don't know if this will be a hot take. I don't think it will be, but we'll see. I think you don't have Ned Cam- Campbell... I said Ned. Yeah, Her name did. is Nev. Uh, <laughs> you don't have that's Nev how Campbell. she'll get more money for the next one. Just <laughs> sign it's, Ned Campbell. They got to throw puts a on a mustache, shows up, and is like, "Hey, I want to try out for this movie." Uh, <laughs> so they don't have her, but they bring in Gail, and I think that's an easy cut. I think cut Gail from the movie completely. Really, personally, I, I don't think she really adds anything to the movie, and I think it. It serves as a reminder to like, hey, there's those other characters and you don't have the one that's your favorite here. Oh, and that's interesting. I, and I just don't think she really did anything. So I don't know really okay. why she's in the movie. She's a survivor. Except for that. It's I. It's the corner they painted themselves into by bringing it to New York. I, it's the second yeah. time I've used painted the corner. But if we've established that Gail is a news anchor... For her to not jump on a ghost face in New York feels impossible. But, Mike, I also agree with you. I don't think she's one of the stronger parts of the movie because she's the moment where this movie has to reckon with its legacy 
and it's already trying to do that through Kirby. Like, yes. it can't <laughs> yep, not yeah. do that yep. through Gale, but it's really trying to do that through Kirby, and that's the more successful strain. And so I think that's a little bit where the messaging gets muddled in the way that we're discussing. We're like, so wait, um, why Gale, outside of the fact that she's a reporter and she's in New York and she's a survivor? All those things are good things, but we knew all these things already. What yeah, are we yeah. learning about Gale this time around? And she, what she's is doing... The- the same stuff from the other movies where they mentioned like you wrote a book about us just like how Sydney <laughs> right. said like okay like you go. capitalized on our experience again you know yeah. yeah so they're doing the same thing i think yeah i think i agree i think that because you got kirby which was such an interesting person to bring back don't even worry about gail yeah because i i feel like the kirby stuff didn't quite get there for me and i think it would have if there was more time yes for me. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and actually, my biggest quibble with Scream 5 is also Gale. And that's nothing against the yeah. character of Courtney Cox, but it feels like the character that maybe this creative team doesn't have the strongest handle on. Like, sure. yeah. I, I felt like, I, I think when I did my character ranking for Slash Film, I had her all the way down at 13. Of like the 14 I listed. Again, not because I think she's an inherently bad character, because I was sort of like, well, who or what is Gail in this movie? She's she's there to create a reason for Dewey to act and have catharsis. And then she's ostensibly Sydney's side piece. And Mm -hmm. that works in terms of the fun of the requel. But it doesn't really get at the heart of Gale the way that the movie gets at the heart of Sydney, the way the movie understands right. sort of like the wounded, bruised cowboy of Dewey. It's right. less six, or, or even the way it understands that, like, uh, you know, Officer Judy is a mom. She's a mom. Yeah. And that's going to be yeah. both sides of her double edged sword. It doesn't really get there with Gale. And I feel like this movie runs into a similar problem with, like, well, who is Gale outside of someone who's in the Scream movies? Who is she? Yeah. Like, why, why is she? And, yeah. and so I'm, I'm really, I'm with you. I think there could have been a way to work around it that maybe makes, again, like Jordan, like you're saying, the Kirby stuff, just more breathing room, more time for Hayden, yeah. more time for the legacy yeah. idea to kind yeah. of bloom through that, which would be clearer, yeah. more of a compass. Yeah, I think, yeah, and even thinking about Gail, I think what's tough with her is you have her in this movie, and, you know, when you have her in this movie, it kind of reminds me that we couldn't get Nev. Um, because they're like core people. So it, it's a, yeah. it is a bummer that we have Gail in this movie and she continues to not change. Yes. She's affected by these things and it's still haunting yeah. her, but like Dewey de- died in the last movie and it, she's just going on with her life, still being a big reporter, yeah. bestselling author, I know. which it's kind of her thing. Like she doesn't change, but could she? <laughs> I think yeah. after five times you'd be like, I'm not going to write this book. Finally. <laughs> like, yeah. let me just I don't know. take a break. Listen, when when you listen to a Ringo Starr solo album, you are reminded that George, John, and Paul (laughs) are not there. And there's some wonderful things about Ringo Starr, but he kind of also just has his lane. It's just his lane. And you're like, well, we're back here again in this lane. The submarine lane that's yellow. So you're, you're, you're not like Zoe Deschanel in 500 Days of Summer who says he's the best Beatle? You're not saying that? I'm not. You know what? Sorry, sorry, new girl. I'm not, <laughs> he is. He might be the best reading Rainbow host. I love love to Lavar Burton, but I'm I was big on Ringo on that show. Wow, they, that dude's outfits made me want to read 
just the uh, just the outfits alone. <laughs> wow. Made me I want to be like to him read. if I read. <laughs> I get those well, sunglasses if I finish a book. You can read through sunglasses. Sign me the fuck up. Let's go. <laughs> Give me a book. Well, and and just for the record, for anyone, Ringo Starr. When I watched Get Back, I was like, oh, I, I've listened to the Beatles, but I did not realize his drumming is he all timer. I mean, like, yeah. like yeah. I know that because he's a Beatle, yeah. but watching him do the it, actual backbone, the freaking the man is a human metronome. I, I was listening, and I'm like, he is not changing beats like per minute at all. This is insane. And as they're all arguing, he's just sitting behind his drum kit, drinking tea, like, just tell me when to play. He, he, he's like the least fussy great drummer in history. Like at some yeah. point, we, we came to believe that like drummers were just like What's-His-Face from Rush, uh, Neil Peart. It's, yeah. And that's, and that's Neil Peart is unbelievable. Unbelievable, another, yeah. yeah. Another God-tier drummer. But Ringo is God-tier in his own way. They are doing yeah. the opposite thing at the peak of their games. And it's uh-huh. just, yeah. yeah, Ringo forever. Love Ringo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal, Ringo Starr, who's next? <laughs> which which, which uh, quirky white man is getting the deep dive next? <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, the, I think the final thing that I... That I have on my like bullet points of things I wanted to discuss. And and for yeah. me, this is very quick is I actually didn't miss Sydney in this movie. And I don't know if you guys did either, but it felt to me, and this is why the Gale thing kind of hurt even more, uh, like hurt the movie even more is it felt like, yeah, if, if we are, it, I mean, it kind of felt like the last Jedi message where it's like, if we're going to keep telling these stories, we, we have to like, pass this on and keep going we can't just keep referencing stuff and yeah. so when yeah. they bring in gail i was like ah. i felt that they had so much to work with that i get i didn't miss sydney either like but like you you said earlier scott like if if they were gonna have nev in this movie there was a reason so yeah like yeah. If, if she was gonna be in this movie it would have been great but since she wasn't and i and i like what you were saying too where it's like they gave sydney a happy ending and then kind yeah. of everyone else. I like that take a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I w- while watching the movie, it's like, they got so much stuff they got to work through. I, I wasn't even thinking about Sydney. Yeah. Oh, she's with her kids and husband. I'm relieved. That's like what <laughs> I felt. Yeah. And, and she makes the smart decision. Like, I, I love that they gave her a happy ending and they gave her her intelligence, which is yeah. like, Sydney Pres- Prescott knows she has to go to Woodsboro in the last movie because she really and truly wants to end it once and for all. And she's there because of Dewey. We're going to go execution style, track him. Let's do this. If somehow this shit is coming to my home, I'm gone. Like I'm not staying around. I'm taking the kids and I'm going, I've done this enough. Mm -hmm. And that respects Sydney, the character as well as Sydney getting her happy ending. And I just adored that. And, And to that end, I didn't miss her. I felt like, I didn't know at the end of, and I don't know how you guys felt about this. When we were finishing Scream 5, I was like, if that's truly the last Scream movie, I'm happy. Not because I want mm-hmm. this to end, but because it mostly felt like a fitting ending for all its characters. Yeah. And I was so happy we didn't take that away from Sydney either. That we find out yeah. she's kept her happy ending and made the smart call. And I'm like, good. You deserve it. You deserve it. We and we already have a trilogy of movies that just ran the final goal back 
in her elder years in the David Gordon Green Halloween movies. So right. I really don't need the Scream movies to do that either. Yeah, I, that I, I agree with that. a side note, but that, that's another reason I find it refreshing. No, I, I yeah. like that even to compare it to that. And I think that um, Sam and Tara's characters, I mean, more Sam, Sam more than anything, like, she has enough. Like, she's a yeah. great enough character that we don't need to have yeah. Sydney back because we're insecure about her carrying the movie. She's great. I, yeah. I think I think it speaks volumes that none of the three of us have had anything to say about Sam and Tara ill or anything. Yeah. We're talking about the movie, but, but, but like basically because like Sam and Tara work. Like yeah. Sam and oh, Tara absolutely. are- Sam and Tara I are love every great. time they're on screen. Yeah. yeah. They're great. And it, it's sort of incredible that these that this team in two movies has carved out a set of sisters that were like, just keep going. Oh, we yeah. want you to keep going. We want to see you more. We want you to thrive. Yeah. Like they fucking rule. They're great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, I, I'm, and, I'm such Sam and Tara fans. Ch- mm-hmm. Chad and Mindy are the same for me. Like when they yeah. g- when they quote got killed, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? This this does suck because I would love to see them in the next one that they inevitably make. Yeah, yeah. and and even though you know I was kind of with you, where it was like this is kind of weird that nobody died. I am like, well, that's pretty cool. We get to see. It is interesting. We get to see. I forget his name, but Cuba Gooding Jr. son again. Yeah. Mason Gooding. Mason, Mason Gooding. Yes. Yeah. I I, I want to see him in so much. Yeah, what? he's great. Uh, is he in anything uh, else that I'm missing? I, <laughs> Probably I am a lot. Not very, I am not very familiar with the Mason Gooding filmography, and I feel like of the four of them, he's done the least. I do feel fairly confident saying that. I know Melissa's got the new Carmen coming out. Jenna mm-hmm. is obviously everywhere. Jasmine yeah. Savoy Brown rocking some yellow jackets. Um, oh, okay, I, I, yeah. I know that Mason Gooding was in ballers and love victor but okay neither one of those hit the cultural capital of the stuff the other ones you don't remember that he's that's right that's right yeah that was a big one for us that was like the first thing we you and i had seen him yeah and we were like this guy looks so familiar then we look it up not only that we're like he's talking in a certain way (laughs) yeah Yeah. he's got all the mannerisms yeah he freaking has charisma like look it up in the dictionary and you're gonna see his face man i know i i love wazoo that that sequence where he's trying to get his boy noticed at the party before swooping in Uh and 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 saving him from what is his name date rape rob what do they call him it's like just like genuine movie star shit yeah It, it, it was a moment where i was like oh mason gooding can be a movie star he, yeah, yeah. He is. He's his one Top Gun Maverick away from yeah. carrying. I was thinking of that movie. Projects. He could have been in that. He could have been in that. He yeah. could have been in that. And, and so, not how Manny Jacato is in it, and somehow never seen or saying a line. Uh, Did you guys know that? Yeah. Yeah. Weirds no. me out every time. He, ha- <laughs> he haunts the movie. He haunts the movie. <laughs> like the Jaguars well, haunt Jason. It's great. <laughs> um. Oh, what, what uh, 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 so not, not, er, not every actor needs to be in Marvel. I, I know that. I know that with what yes. I'm about to say, but, yes. but do you have, can off the top of your head, can you think of any characters, uh, that you would be like, wow, uh, if Mason was doing this, that would, that would take it to the next level. Honest to God, the first character that came to mind for me was a DC character. Oh, and okay. it was, if we're going to get rid of the current continuity with Black Adam, let Mason be a, a young 
hot fun hawkman like let like let's okay. do like yo- let's do like young hawkman before he becomes so austere let's let him be a lover let's let him be charming hawkman be... was uh Guy Pierce. Was, uh, was, was Aldous Hodge. <laughs> Pierce was Aldous, Brasnan, right? Oh, no, Aldous no. Hodge. No, no, the guy Aldous the, Hodge. The Hawkwind. I'm forgetting that I deleted that movie from my brain. <laughs> That's understandable. It was a bad movie. That's yeah. a survival yeah. move on your part. Oh, yes. I think I, think I remember a, him yet now. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a. Be, out, oh, no. We've already done We've already done Hulkling. I was going to be like, Mason Gooding could actually, in a vacuum, be a great, really fun Hulkling. Uh, that would be really oh, yeah. cool. I feel like there's someone else who should be occurring to me. Would would he would he be a good Johnny Storm maybe? Oh shit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. He'd be kind of a great Johnny, Johnny Storm, Storm, wouldn't he? And, 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 the and Human fu- Torch. Oh, and okay. what and what fucked me up is he's kind of got the things build and he's not a great <laughs> thing, but <laughs> yeah. He he's a perfect Johnny Storm. He's fantastic. Right? Yeah. Oh holy shit! I, I bowed down that. at that take. That is it. Yeah. <laughs> like, cut it, print it. Just, <laughs> fuck it. Well, listen, for the it, record, oh, for yeah. the record, for you, I, I, I contend. I still think that Jonathan Groff needs to be Mister Fantastic, and no I'm one is. In. No one is doing this. But after seeing uh, Matrix Resurrections, I was like, that's Mister Fantastic. Okay, so like, give me a Jonathan Groff. Mr. Fantastic, amazing, yeah. gooding, Johnny Storm. Oh yeah! It, it this is already working. I I have long <laughs> secretly wanted Jack Black to be the thing, but he's too old in this. In this. <laughs> oh my gosh! I wish it, it, this, it would. <laughs> that, that is a good. That is wow. That's good. I've never thought I, of that. I've re, I've wanted that for so much longer than than I have words for it. it I want it with every bone in my body. Um, if we're gonna do. Jonathan Groff, <laughs> I have a very weird invisible woman pitch. Yes. Betty Gilpin. Betty Gilpin. It's not coming Glow, up. Glow, The Hunt, Nurse Jackie. You're, you're Betty, mentioning only shows that I know about and haven't watched. Jo- Jonathan Groff is like so beautifully smarmy and doe-eyed that I want to sue who oh, doesn't okay. take his shit but clearly loves him, who can okay. play on that level. Right, because they're not just going to be the yeah. earnest. They're not going to be the the straight up earnest storms. That's not what Jonathan yeah. Groff does. You need you need a Sue who's genuine, but can yeah. also meet him at that level. And that's Betty Gilpin, and she's got the classic look for I it. I love it. Mason Gooding would just irritate her to no end, <laughs> and that's a great Johnny Sue dynamic. Just yeah. love through irritation. I yeah, just got to find the thing that's age appropriate. Or maybe we DH Jack Black. I don't know. We're doing it with Indy. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we are. We just we, got to get him into the orange rock stage, and then we're fine. <laughs> we take all the episodes of The Sopranos, and they just deep fake uh, James Gandolfi. <laughs> <as the thing. laughs> wow. And, and, and on top of that, we let artificial intelligence write it, and, and it is the first, like, R MCU movie where he's just, like, speaking as Tony Soprano. But, as the but thing. As the thing. <laughs> so he's saying clobberin' time as well as Gabagool and all that jazz. Okay. It's just go- going to the strip club, <laughs> getting his rocks off, literally. <laughs> rocks are just flying It's right there. It's him. right there. It's right there. How can you not? Bada bing. Bada bing. Uh, <laughs> Gabagool. <laughs> 
That's crazy. Uh, maybe his son could do it. I, I didn't see many Saints of Newark, but he, yeah, he could yeah, maybe be a solid. thing. He's solid. He could maybe be a thing. Get get some of that gravelly voice. I thought you were going to be like, let's just let Chris Pratt do his Super Mario voice as the thing. <laughs> Fuck it. He's already, Why not? he's already doing every voice in Hollywood. Let's just yeah. run him back. It's clobbering time. It's cl- <laughs> you know Wow, those Yancey Streeters are sure after me. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm slowly coming around to the opinion that w- it's going to be like listening to Shakespeare. Once we're 10 minutes into the Super Mario Brothers movie, no one's going to care. Our ears no, will have no. adjusted. Yeah. But, but until that moment, I will forever be twerked by how much in a vacuum his Mario sounds like Linda Belcher. Like if oh you just God. if you just go, we're going to the Mushroom Kingdom, ah, Bobby. It's like literally right That's there. That's wild. It's, I ju- it, it twerks me to no end. Yeah, tweaks me too. But I I think it actually twerks. I think it gets into my lower half and sends my back <laughs> throwing out. Linda Belcher, you know what? Serious, serious pick. John Benjamin as the thing. I would, wow! Yes, yes. that oh, would be, be so cool. Good. That would DH be great. John Benjamin. Well, he's he's gonna have CGI anyway. You know what I yeah. mean? All they gotta do is give him a shave and dye his beard for would, the first scenes. I would scenes. love that. That would be awesome. <laughs> what are these? To that are these rocks? <laughs> oh my god, these are rocks. I'm covered <laughs> in rocks. Love that. <laughs> Johnny, so now this we is took bad. on Fantastic Four, Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, you're getting it all, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stacked, stacked episode. Stacked like sh- Mason Gooding's muscles, also Josh Gidara's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. finish yoked. <laughs> I I will say I think I've said my piece on Scream Six, but I'm happy to keep talking if we if we have more that we haven't touched on yet. <laughs> I, not, that wasn't a like defeated sigh. I was that was a thinking gen- sigh. No, I I thank you, Scott, for all the th- wonderful things you've said. I went into this because Mike came into this like I think I, I really hope Scott can help me like see this. And I'm like I don't know. I I don't feel like changing my mind, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I I feel more hopeful. And what's funny is yeah. I haven't we I don't think you have either. Uh, haven't rewatched Scream Five since it came out. I I did. Uh, you did on our trip back from Paris. Oh, okay, you did. I haven't, and I would Which love to. Which was weird, because I was like, I hope no kids are seeing this, because I forgot that the violence in this is absolutely bonkers. It's wild. <laughs> oh, it's but nuts. I would like, I definitely, would, by the time the third movie comes out, I want to have rewatched both. And yeah. I, it's opened my eyes. Yeah, I, I think, I think. I mean, I went, I went from like, this is okay to like, no, 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 I, I like this. I like this. Yeah. And I'm I'm hopeful. Yeah. On, I, on both a rewatch and what they do with seven yeah I'm, I'm i'm hoping that on my rewatch this maybe lands in my top three i think it's in the top four for me i think it really is and wow. i yeah. think i it's still the first two or, or no not the first two it's the two screams that are my top two right it's it's yeah. it's the original scream and this last one are my favorite two screams yeah and I'm wondering if this is going to crawl its way into number three. Wow. Who knows? I'm a secret Scream 4 fan. I'm not going to lie. I I love it. I, I, what is it? The guy who made Network, Pollock, um, Sidney Pollock, yeah. had some quote about how uh, all Sydney great Lumet? movies. Sidney Lumet. Right? There we go. Yeah. 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 Sidney Lumet. Easy to, easy to confuse. Understandable. <laughs> um, said all great movies are angry. 
in some way, shape, or form. Mm. Maybe they're quietly mm. angry. Maybe they're very loudly angry. But he believed all great movies were angry. And Scream 4 is such an angry movie. It really it, is. It, it, it yeah, is, it is. It is spiteful. And I think yeah. the parts of it that are the most spiteful are actually incredible filmmaking and really yeah. fucking fascinating. So not, well, not our, out here to shit on Scream 4. Scream well, 4 this, can get it. No, on... Our our uh, the guests that we had on that I'll shout them out Mike Natali and Tom Lorenzo who hosts uh, You're Missing Out podcast yeah. the Film Registry podcast they they were on that and they they were pointing out all of the stuff that in 2011 about like fan not fan culture but like the internet and fame and the strive for fame and and they were kind of like I, the movie was ahead of its time. And yeah. when they contextualize it, I rethought about it, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And this was before the fifth Scream. I was like, yeah, yeah. this is the second best easy. Yeah. So uh, we love Scream 4 over here, too. Yeah. It's just Scream but, 3 that I, I just can't yeah. really handle. That, it, that one, swing and a miss. Swing yeah. and a miss. It's got fully it. in a ghost sheet. It's, you know, we <laughs> yeah. Creed on the soundtrack. It was inevitable. Y- you gave <laughs> us Freddy Krueger. You can have a Scream 3. It's okay. I'm not going right. to be mad at you. Damn right. You're damn right. <laughs> but you were about to say oh, something. I was just thinking I'm just thinking out loud, like the this conversation has made me like so the review in this movie, Scream Six, the reveal of it being Richie's dad and like sister and stuff. Even that at that point I was like, I don't really care about that either by yeah, that time. I, I felt the same um, way. Yeah. But this has kind of changed my perspective a little bit, and I think a rewatch will only benefit from it, where it's like well, why, like, in a way, like, why would there, this ghost face be someone from Sydney's past? Sydney's not even here. It yeah. would be someone oh. from Sam and Tara. Oh, that's a good, yeah. So, <laughs> that so seems like yeah. an obvious point, but yeah. that's a good I, point. I don't know, like, why I would want it to be someone else for yeah. those it's the reasons, torch passing, but, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's literally, this is the first time that we're really going to pass the torch to someone that is connected just to Sam and Tara and yeah. go, this is the lineage. And it's super close because we're only at the beginning of the story. We can't reach yeah. so far. I'm more back. on board with that now. Yeah. And, yeah. and and I think that nails in the point of the intentionality of them being so over the top with like, remember this, remember this, remember this. And then at the end, it's like, yeah, you just had to see the last movie. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm exactly. feeling like I'm feeling like it is kind of a maybe maybe their take that I didn't realize till this podcast is like Yes, like you're saying, the inevitability of franchises and how we are required to do homework, and sometimes yeah. you just need to make a self-contained like movie, yeah, or or, and, or and, sequel, you know, and, and find your way to break to break off. Right, this yeah. movie is sort of like the break off. The thing that it really establishes is the core four. You didn't mm-hmm. know until the end of this movie that <laughs> we were going to continue yeah. with the core four, that the nickname would stand, and it does yeah. right until the last round. I'm like. Cool. So we're in our core four era now. Like, yeah. Hopefully, in Scream Seven, we won't even be mentioning Gale or Sydney. Yeah. Or yeah. You know, it's. I don't think we're going to be doing that. I think we're strictly going to be with this group and with this team. And it it feels transitory. But I'm I'm like you said. I'm a, even more about it if Scream Seven Scream Break you know sticks the landing. That's <laughs> Scream Break. <laughs> you know what? Take, they're in college. Take them to yeah. another destination location yeah. to be like Scream meets the White Lotus. It's <laughs> let's go. You know what? <laughs> you you did what I was hoping you would do because when I on Letterbox I just go hearts and no hearts. Yeah, and then five stars for my favorites and perfects. Yeah, I did a no heart and I was like I just don't think I like it. And you know what? 
I'm getting back on there, and I'm I'm adding a heart. I like this movie. Wow, let's do it. Heart Scott Thomas six. did it. <laughs> Trying to bring that heart. Uh, and and if nothing else, you have earned a lot of plugging. Please. Oh, thank you. Please give the people what they need to find you. Oh man. Well, listen. On Twitter at OG Scotty T, I'm never leaving the bird site. Too many good things happen <laughs> per day. You can find me at that same tag on the Letterboxd. If you're interested in checking out the acting work I do, October 6, 2023, we'll see if I'm in the movie True Love starring John David yeah. Washington, Allison Janney, so many people. Uh, wow. th- it is, I cannot say anything else about the movie until the trailer drops, but just get ready they just awesome. get ready nothing left behind on this one i will also be starting to do bylines at collider i think by the time this episode comes out i was wow. with slash through december heading on over to collider now gonna be doing some stuff there got some other journalism stuff in the works that i can't talk about yet but it's exciting and i will be writing about all of it on twitter and instagram at og scotty t and yeah oh one last one Wait, this comes out Friday? This comes out yeah, Friday? Yeah, Friday, yeah. Okay, so a general plug. If you're in the New York area, follow entirely from memory on Instagram. That's my group. We are at Littlefield in Brooklyn once a month recreating movies from memory and then letting the audience make awesome. it impossible for us to do that. We're literally doing The Dark Knight <laughs> on Thursday. Whoa. So I think the day <laughs> before this podcast comes out, the audience will be random casting us in that movie, feeding us lines we have to use, calling for deleted wow. scenes. It's like a community theater troupe uh, failing with dignity, and it's a joy oh, that for sounds amazing. cinephiles. And I'm I I think improv can be just impossible to watch, and I pride us <laughs> on being a watchable, uh, if not sincere, form of theater. Uh, on top of you know, awesome. people who are very very funny. So yeah, if you're a Brooklyn listener. DM me. I got your tickets on the first round. Let's do it. Great. Whoa. Okay. Well, make sure and do it, folks. And and also listen to the Infinity Podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ. I forgot that. You were so <laughs> lovingly mentioned at the top. But yeah, the Infinity Podcast. Yeah. Rachel Quirky Shank, the best wrestler slash podcast co-host there is, currently covering The Last <laughs> of Us and Grogu. Oh, I'm sorry, The Mandalorian. But <laughs> we're, we're mostly discussing apparently we're a pedro pascal podcast because <laughs> i guess so that's what it sounds like just talking why not nothing, nothing, why nothing not? wrong with that yeah uh, we'll, we'll yeah, get rachel leishman on pedro pascal can come on our show anytime <laughs> it's great and and for for fans of our show you remember rachel she's on our she's on our batman and robin episode and our our fast and furious tokyo drift some of our fave episodes of people. So yeah. y- you're probably already listening to the Infinity Rachel podcast. helped us a lot with Furious... Uh, three. She was on three. Tokyo. Oh, I know, but but specifically helped us immensely just with liking that movie a lot more. Oh, yeah. And, and, and like oh, kind yeah. of understanding the franchise because we were so early on and we were like, Rachel, help. <laughs> yeah. We're so early on and we hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it was... we, we were new to Fast and Furious until last year. It's a lot. It, it yeah. is. It was a it lot. Is, the, <laughs> those movies have gone from DVD thieves descending Tyrese and Ludacris into space. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really been so much. Yeah, <laughs> what a journey we've been on. And then for our listeners, just to keep you on the schedule, uh, 
Next week, we interrupt our regularly scheduled franchise of the Three Colors Trilogy to bring you another series that we are covering, which is Shazam! Fury of the Gods. We're caught mm. up on DC. So, And then we have a week of John Wick, Chapter 4, and then we finally finished the Three Colors movie. So that's where you're at on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Micah We did uh, our picks of the Oscars so you can listen and see what we got right and what we got wrong. If any, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You have to sign up to find Someone out. Someone might have done really well. You did pretty well. Yeah. You did pretty <laughs> well. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And um, what? Uh, come on. Uh, Trying to think of a good scream thing. Come on. Come on. Improv. improv. <laughs> yes, and, yes, yes, and us out of this episode for the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>